tonight. And we are at verse 12. We will begin at verse 12. There's a way you could sort of call this sermon in this particular series. Uh, I'd call it work night. This is the night we've got to dig in, ask the Lord to help us, and look at some of these verses in detail. What I'm leading up to saying, preacher, if, if I'm able to do what I want to do, we'll start at verse 12 and end at verse 21. That's a bigger scope, a larger text than we have been normally doing. But I do it for a reason. Look at verse 12 and you will see those bulls specifically the bulls of Bashan. You look at verse 21, you will see the word unicorns. In other words, this text begins with the first of those fierce beasts and does not end until we get to the last, the final of those of all things, four beasts, book of Daniel, four beasts. And uh, that is a Bible study method called, you may want to write this word down, inclusio. Let me spell it. I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O. And what does it mean? Inclusio, I'll tell you what it means. Bookends. Now here's another way. Parentheses. It's where the Holy Ghost drops a marker at the first of a text, bulls of Bashan. Then he drops a marker at the last of the text, unicorns. And in the middle, there are two more wild animals, inclusio. The Holy Spirit does this all the way through the Bible. He's got chapters that have inclusio, paragraphs, that have inclusio, books of the Bible that have inclusio. It's an interesting way of studying the Word of God. Not every writer can incorporate inclusio, only the best. And the Holy Ghost is the best. Amen. Verse number, somebody give me the time. You've got to watch somebody. Give me the time. 12 minutes to, to, thank you, helps to know that. I have a timer, but I've lost it. Many bulls, I tell you what, timer or not, let's stand. Let me read you the text. Many bulls have compassed, give me that next word. Many bulls have compassed. Who is the me? It's our Lord Jesus. This is a first person description of our Lord on Calvary. Many bulls have compassed me. Not just many, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. 
They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. Mm. We switch from animals now for a second to Jesus giving us some first-hand experience of what it's like to hang on that cross. Watch it, verse 14. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Then he says something to his father. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Could I ask a question? You all are a spiritual congregation. Is anybody here feeling it for Jesus? And again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John don't give us these details. The psalmist does. Now that he's told us how he's feeling, back to the animals. Dogs, verse 16, dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. And then they pierced my hands and my feet. I don't see how anybody could doubt it being Jesus now. What do y'all think? I may tell, oh, he's back to first person. I may tell all my bones. But then the crowd, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. He's going to pray again now. Look at it. Verse 19. How many times has he prayed? Be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver. Deliver. He's still crying, praying. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power, from the power of the, give me the word, the power of the, we're back to the animals. Save me from the lion's mouth. These next words, first time it's said in the psalm, for, for, I'm going to count them. Thou hast heard me. Thou hast heard me. He's been begging God for 21, 20 verses. Hear me. Don't be far from me. Then all of a sudden, boom. Thou hast heard me. Have y'all ever been praying a prayer and you knew? It got through. You knew God had heard. Thou hast heard me. Y'all, I'm telling you, from that verse right there, it's like a different psalm. Everything's been suffering. 
after this. Everything's been downhill. It's uphill now. Jesus, in a minute, is going to cut loose shouting. Going to cut loose shouting. Why? Thou hast heard me. It is the pivotal point of this entire song. Thou hast heard me. And could I say God heard him in the nick of time? From the horns of the unicorn. You may be seated. That leads us through verse number 21. And all I know to say is what a text of scripture. It's bigger than me, preacher. But I sure am going to enjoy, this is probably not the best word, I sure am going to enjoy wallowing around in it for a little while. God's precious word. Verse 12. Many bulls have compassed me. Does that mean that uh, that day at Calvary there were eight bulls around him? No. These are symbols of his enemies were standing around. And he likens them to bulls. Many of you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm really not a farm boy. Bulls have horns. Bulls are sort of known for getting irritated every now and then. Don't wear red if you're going through the bull pasture. Get after you. They'll snort many bulls. Many bulls. That word uh, uh, compass, and, and as it would appear, it means they have encircled me. Many bulls. But not just any bull. Bulls of Bashan have beset me around. Basin is the pasture land of Israel. Technically, Basin is not even in Israel proper. It's on the other side of the Jordan River. But it was so rich, so fertile, two and a half tribes said, Moses, see if God, we're cattle men, we're cattle see if God let us live over here. They raised the strongest meanest bulls, cattle, anywhere in that part of the Middle East. Strong bulls, mean bulls. And thereafter, our Savior. They're here to do him harm. And I guess you could say, well, preacher, he's going to die anyway. No, they're here to frustrate the will of God. They're here to do anything they can, add to his pain and to his shame. Many bulls now have a question. Here's God. I need one amen here who is the creator. And he's taking one of his animals, a work of art, a bull, and he's typing it as a picture of evil, of hatred, and of sin. Now let's be sure, brother, I want to preach this, but I want to stay in the parameters of good Bible exegesis. I want my hermeneutics to be right. Did God use an animal and picture him as a type of evil? I'm going to give you a hint. If you get it, nod at me. A serpent. Garden of Eden, an animal is in the book of Job, well, actually, there are two of them, but I'm thinking of one named Leviathan. Leviathan. God says he's the king of pride. It's a picture of the devil. He's the king of pride, just like the serpent, Leviathan. 
Nobody can tame him. Nobody can catch him. But God Almighty steps out and says, I need a name. I can handle him. I'll break him down one of these days. Bulls, they're mean. They're snorting. But I got some good news. God Almighty will bring them down one of these days. That's just a word. They gaped upon me with their mouths. That word gape opened. Opened. Their mouths, uh, they're trying to bite him. They're trying, as a ravening and a roaring lion. We'll see the lion later. But these bulls are, already there's a lion insinuated and inserted into our text. I think I know who that lion is. Obvious. He's a ravening lion. Uh, uh, And no marvel for your adversary, the devil, Walk it about, somebody help me, as a roaring lion. He wants to devour us. That's the, anybody believe the devil was on that hill that day when Jesus died? Oh, yes. If I have time, I'll try to prove it. Here are the bulls of Basia. Verse 14, I'm poured out like water. Does anybody... Ever heard this expression? I'm as weak as water. That's a country expression, but we used it growing up. Three or four weeks ago, I was preaching up in the Nantahala area of North Carolina, Panther Creek Baptist Church, a precious fellowship. We get to go there regular every year. And, uh, and uh, I had just recorded one of our meditations. They had us in a little cabin, and I went out on the front part. Came in. They was fixing a bite to eat. I got sick, bad sick. I, I, I got so sick, fever, nauseated, and, uh, and we don't know if it was food poisoning from, you know, uh, uh, the previous day, which happened to be a Sunday. We, we don't know what. I got sick. The first of few, I had to lay down. I was so sick. I, my wife had to crush ice. I couldn't eat, didn't want to eat. Had to weak as water. I tried to record the next day. I went down. It was on the banks of a river. Lovely said, I went down there. And for the first time in all the meditations, I couldn't finish. Longer I stood there and taught us in the Gospel of John. And I watched the timer on the camera. Preacher, I had to quit two or three minutes. I didn't have the strength. Weak. But my little, my little puny description of weakness, I need her name, it doesn't match anything of what our Savior went through. As he hangs there on the cross. Let me, let me see how, how he worded that. I am poured out like water. That's an interesting expression. I am poured out like water. And uh, notice it didn't say spilled, poured out. Spilled insinuates an accident of some kind. Poured out. That's more the idea of purpose. I imagine when you hang there six hours like you did in the sun for half of the time, don't you reckon he would get hot? We're going to see it in a minute. Reckon he would sweat. 
Certainly he would sweat. Reckon his body would dehydrate. When you dehydrate, every muscle in your body begins to pull and it begins to cramp. And yet, I'm poured out like water. I believe he not only poured out his sweat for us, I believe he not only volunteered, I, I, I believe he poured out his blood for us that day. It is a picture of a Jew who had sinned, bringing that little innocent lamb and the priest taking that lamb, collecting that blood and pouring it out. Pouring it out. Paul said, I'm now ready to be offered. Remember in the time of my departure, I'm now ready to be offered. The Greek word there, I'm to be offered, is spendo. Y'all, somebody smile at me. It means poured out. Paul said, they think they're killing me. They think they're martyring me. Said, my Savior poured out his life for me on Calvary. I'm going to get an opportunity to, to repay. I, I'm going to pour out my life for him. They killed him as a martyr. And poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. I can't spend this long on every clause, obviously. I just don't know where to, what to leave out. All my bones are out of joint. Anybody here ever had a bone out of joint? Wow, y'all are a healthy crowd. Amen. I got one man. Put your ass. I got one now. Look at that. It, some mornings I get up and every way I move it, it pops. Pop, pop, pop. Debbie said, well, to go to the doctor. We did. He examined it, felt of it. I said, you're a doctor. You practiced for years. I, I guess uh, you see something like that all along. He said, I ain't never seen nothing like that in all my life. <laughs> when that thing's that, it hurts. It hurts. You say, yank it back in, join. Don't stay. Won't help. I guess there's some kind of surgery, but I'm living with this till I have to. All my bones are out of joint. And I guess you could say, how could all these bones get out of joint? One old Puritan said, it's like he'd been put on the rack. And when they persecuted Christians, they'd tie their hands, tie their feet, put them on a stretching rack and pull till their bones pop, pop, pop out of joint. Then I thought, really, the cross, the way they nail you, hanging down, it is a rack. All my bones are out of joint. Could I make an announcement? He went through all that he suffered for you and me. And then if they nailed him to the cross, well, we know they nailed him. If they laid him down, nailed his hands and nailed his feet, and then lifted up the cross drug it two or three feet to that hole. I've got it as a rocky hole in my mind. And drop, you can be sure they didn't lower him real gently. Dropped it. Can you imagine the jolt? Wouldn't that pull some bones out of joint? All my bones are out of joint. I don't think we ought to major on the physical sufferings of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not. 
We ought to major on the spiritual suffering of Jesus. But it doesn't hurt to be reminded what he go, went through on Calvary. There's more. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Hey, get the next line. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Hey, get the next one. Uh, my tongue cleaved to my jaws. Get the next one. You brought me into the dust of death. death. Every bit of that. Dry. Lack of moisture. I'll use my word again. Dehydration. Every line builds one upon another. Lord, my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Can I say something? For something to melt, it's got to get hot. Now, I've got to make the case, believing my verse to be true. It is. It's a word of God. What got hot that would have, so hot, it would affect Jesus' heart, and he could say, it is melted in the midst of me. Something got hot. And I don't know if you'll believe it or not. You've got good preaching. Expect you will. That day on Calvary, the fire of the wrath of Almighty God fell on His darling Son, Jesus. For God made Jesus to be sin for us. Do y'all know the wages of sin? The wages of sin is... But that's not just physical death. That's death. That's eternal death. That's death in heaven. I believe with all my heart on the cross. Let me underline those words. On the cross, Jesus suffered the equivalent of our hell for us that day. That's hot. So hot his heart. Melted. Melted in the midst of his body. In the midst of of his bowels. My strength, a pot shirt, you probably know it. It, it. He wouldn't even compare himself to a whole pot, to a pitcher or a flower vase. Pot shirt, it's a little piece of broken clay, broken pottery. I'm dried up like a pot shirt. My strength is dried up. Tell me if you hang there six hours, exposed to the elements, bleeding out and sweating out. Every time the Bible mentions sweat, it's used in a negative sense. Adam, you rascal, God didn't say, you have sinned. And from now on, buddy, you're going to earn your living by the Sweat of your curse. God told the priest of Israel, you will not wear wool garments. You will not serve me with wool. Wool causes sweat. God would not allow them to sweat as they did his work as a curse on sweat. And yet I'm learning that my Savior, no doubt, obviously, 
dried up. He has sweated and sweated. You know what that means? That means he took my curse for me on Calvary. What a Savior. My tongue cleaves. It means to stick. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. Hmm. Preacher, maybe it's just old age. I don't know. My, my tongue gets dry when I... When, we've got so recording the meditations. I have to get a wet washcloth. Deb wets it down for me to wipe my... One, I recorded the whole 30 minutes and I don't want to be repulsive. I had slobber all over my lips. I said, that ain't going out on YouTube and Facebook. Not with slobber all over I recorded the whole thing again. And uh, you just have, can you imagine? And again, that's my paltry illustration. Right up. Like a pot shirt. And nobody got him a wet washcloth. Nobody gave him a, 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 an hourly sip of anything to, That man that went, to, rich man died in hell. He lifted up his eyes, Luke 16. Wasn't he begging for a drop of water to cool his parched tongue? It's another example of what my, he suffered my agony and my torment for me. Oh. And there's more. When do you say... My tongue cleaves to my jaws. Preacher, you hang there six hours, your tongue swells, you're not supposed to be able to talk. Ancient history records describe men who are being crucified. What's the word? Anything ain't been understood. And yet my Savior, in the midst of that agony, said, with a loud voice. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And with a loud voice, it is finished. And with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Hallelujah. I'm just a broken, these kids don't know what a broken record is. I'm just a broken record. Thank God, what a savior we've got. That means something repeated over and over and over. Mm. Thou hast brought me about to cough. I'm so dry. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Wait a minute. It's Rome that crucified him. Those are four Roman soldiers. Jesus said, Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. It was them Pharisees and Sadducees, they dogged him till they got him killed. But he said, Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. He knows he's dying. Oh my. This is 10 minutes of preaching, I can't do it. Doing the will of his Father in heaven. 
I don't doubt he died because he loved us. I mean, that is apparent. I don't doubt he died to save whosoever will. It's clear in scripture, but foremostly, I believe he died to please his father, to do his father's will. Mm. Thou has brought me into the dust. And they tell me, these fellows that know these things, they tell me the dust of death, it's like that Roman Colosseum. That's like that, that uh, wrestling arena, yeah. dusty. And, and, and that's when, uh, if you win or lose, that means you live, that means you die. You've all read the history books. It's brought me into the dust. Of, in that dust of death, they wrestled lions. And the lions always won. They'd put raging bulls. And the bulls always won. Unicorns, somebody said they don't exist. Well, they sure did exist in Psalm 22 days. We'll talk about it if we ever get there. <laughs> and uh, dogs, wild, mangy, hungry dogs. They'll kill a man if the man's defenseless. That's brought me into the dust of death. But that day, the bulls didn't win. Neither did the lions, neither did the dogs, and neither did that way, that day, up. Thank God Jesus is victor. Hallelujah. Mm. Are y'all enjoying this? I sure am too. Verse 16, dogs have, that's the same word, encircled me. Dogs have compassed me. Now, I'm going to make a statement. You'll say amen. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible there is. Let me show you what I mean. Wonder what them dogs mean. What do them dogs represent? Dogs have compassed me. And the next line explains it. The assembly of the wicked have inclined. Those dogs represent those wicked men. They're hollering crucified. Crucify him. Kill him. We don't want anything. Three times, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Had Pilate been given his druthers, y'all say that down here. Had Pilate been given his druthers, he'd have let Jesus go. He tried twice. Said, you boys have got a custom. Said, we Romans, we generally go along with it that I release, that I release one criminal during Passover. Said, uh, that Barabbas, he's a bad one. Let's crucify Barabbas and let's let Jesus go. Uh-uh, uh-uh. We want Barabbas set free. We want Jesus crucified. See what I'm saying? Then Pilate said, you take him. You take him and put him to death. They wouldn't do that, preacher, because if they put him to death, and I guess they could with Rome's permission, they'd have to stone him. I mean, as wicked as these people are, they would go by the Mosaic law. They'd have to stone him. That wasn't good enough. No, it's not, that wasn't bad enough. That didn't hurt enough. That didn't have enough shame. They got to have him crucified. 
And I believe with all my heart, here's the reason they wanted him crucified. Anybody crucified in the Roman culture, they're worse than low down. They're so filthy, you'll never call their name again in respectable company. They wanted him so shamed that nobody would ever say again, he's my Lord. I love him. I'll not be ashamed of his name. Boy, that little scheme backfired on them, didn't it? They didn't know about up from the grave he arose business, hallelujah. Uh, my, my, my. Dogs have compassed me. Hey, dogs hunt in packs. Dogs genetically are related to wolves. Here's a wolf pack after our Savior. Bunch of snapping dogs and, and, and the Bible knows nothing of little house pets. These are mongrels. These are mutts. These are scavengers. These are dead men. Dogs have compassed me. I don't know if y'all do it. Now, anybody here ever gone coon hunting? It's done. Deb's daddy was a big Big coon hunter. Love to go coon hunting. Coon hunting, you got a bunch of dogs. And uh, see if you get it. You try to tree your prey. Y'all aren't getting it. Tree. Come. Well, they're after him. And they treat him. But hallelujah, they didn't get him. Dogs. Have compassed me. Uh. The wicked have enclosed me. Look at that picture. The assembly of the wicked. A lot of times you can't get God's people together in assembly. We don't come like we ought to. But the devil don't have any trouble getting his wicked crowd together. Pilate and Herod hated each other. Pilate and Herod were enemies till the day they decided to kill Jesus. And they became friends in order to crucify our dear Lord. They pierced, oh boy. Hey y'all, they pierced my hands and my feet. I think it's verse 16. Explain this, fellas. That is the most argued. The liberals, that is the most questioned line in the whole psalm. They try to reword it. They try to retranslate it. They try to say it's not supposed to be here. And I'm thinking, why would the devil hate those words? They pierce my hands and my feet. Uh, listen up. Question asked, question answered. I know why the devil doesn't want us talking about him being pierced because that's Bible prophecy. That's the means the blood of the Lord Jesus was shed. That's how I got saved. He pierced. That word pierced, the, the verb means pierced. Understand it clearly, but an alternate meaning, dug. Dug. With those nails into his hands. The artists sometimes have him tied to the cross. I want to make an announcement. He wasn't tied to that cross. He was nailed to that old rugged cross. They pierced 
My, this is not, and they're going to pierce his hands and his feet. This is not third person. They pierced my hands. They pierced my feet driving those nails into his pierced body. If I had the time, and, and I, I remember, I got to quit preaching before you quit listening, and, and there's a limit to what you know we can listen to. Uh, if I had time, I'd go with that word, Doug. That's where I'd go, preacher. I'd go to where the ear of the volunteer servant take an awl, knock a hole. So they, in the word, they'll dig a hole in his ear. Well, I brought it up, didn't I? In Israel, a slave. They had indentured slavery. God allowed debt slavery. Oh, I, I can't lose my land. God gave me that land. I know I'm behind on my bills. The crops weren't real good this year. And uh, you could sell yourself to a wealthy man. He would say, you'll have to work for me, but I'll keep your property. You won't lose your property. And he would have to work for that man, sometimes one year, sometimes two years. Uh, uh, there, there, there's every seventh year. They're set free. Now, now follow me. Here's a fella, landowner, the wealthy man. He's kept his word. He's preserved the farm. And, uh, and he's worked for him four, five, six, whatever the number of years might be. And finally, the day comes that he can go home. And uh, wealthy landowner says, son, you're free. You can go back to the house. Go back to your land. And the old boy, the slave, he begins to squall, begins to cry. And he says, oh, Lord, and that's what they would call those words, oh, Lord, I've had it better as your slave than I even had as a free man over there on my land. You've taken better care of me as a slave than I could take care of myself over there on the farm. You've loved my family. You've paid our bills. You, you've fed us real good. Took care of us. My body's in better shape. Said, I'm just wondering, is there a way I don't have to go home? Huh? Is there a way I need an amen? I can keep on being your slave. Amen. And that's when God said, yeah, that can happen. You'll have to back up against the doorpost. They'd take a nice pick. It's called an awl. And they'd knock a hole in his ear. And I think the Lord Jesus Christ here has ultimate reference to that. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He didn't die on that cross because he had to. He died on that cross because he wanted to. He died on that cross as a volunteer to please his Father, do his Father's will, get a bunch of old sinners saved. Hallelujah to God. Pierce, dug. They dug into my hands, dug into my feet. But a long time before that, the Father dug into his ear. He said, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I believe, Je I know I said, but I believe Jesus said, here am I, I need another. Send me, send me, Father. What a Savior. What a Savior. Verse 17. Son, it was 12 minutes till seven. Give me a time fix. 
All right, 30, 36 minutes. Are y'all okay? Let's plow on. Amen. I needed more amen. Let's plow on. Amen. <laughs> Does that say, I may tell all my bones? The verb tell, and it's translated this way in our Bible, in our King James Bible, counted. I can count all my bones. Nothing like that in the Gospels. But the psalmist through the eye of the Holy Ghost Preacher, I don't know about that. Can you count all your bones? Could I make a suggestion? If they're all out of joint, you might could. If they're all in agony and in pain, you might could count your bones. By the way, he could count them. I have no doubt they were all hurting, but not a one was broken. Not a bone was broken. He's the perfect fulfillment of the Passover lamb. Hallelujah to God. Count. It's just a glimpse of his pain. I can count all my bones. Now watch 17b, last part of 17. They look and stare upon me. They look, that's self-explanatory, and stare upon me. If Rome treated Jesus like they treated their average crucifixion victim, and I'm pretty sure I could tell you with authority, they didn't cut him any favors. Pilate's doing what he's doing because he's scared of the Jews. He's going to play. All I'm saying, Rome crucified its victims totally unclothed, totally naked. They look and they stare upon me. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12 and it does talk about the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Somebody put the word in despising the, despising the shame. Can you imagine the shame of hanging there before your enemies naked? His mama's there. Now his mama saw him. He's a baby. Pretty sure he wore diapers or something. Notice the shame. They stare at me. Isn't that something? The first Adam, Jesus made him a robe to wear. The last Adam hangs stark naked because of the blunder the first Adam made. Jesus hangs there naked so that when I get to glory, I won't be naked. I'll be wearing a robe of white, robes of righteousness. Hallelujah to God. They look and they stare upon me. Now he's clothing. They part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. Notice garments is a plural noun. Vesture is a singular noun. This may be the most precise prophecy in the whole psalm, and it's amazing, it's uncanny how, how accurate it is. Garments, they gamble over the... Four men, Rome assigns four men 
to an execution squad. No doubt four men were responsible for killing those three that day on Mount Golgotha. And uh, his normal garments, they'll cast lots. They'll gamble. But then what about that singular noun? They, they, they part my garments among them and they cast lots upon my singular vesture. How did the psalmist say? There's no way you could know somebody's wardrobe a thousand years in advance. John tells us that Jesus had been given a special coat, a special robe. John says, can I make an announcement? It's all right to give the preacher a suit. John says it was woven from the top to the bottom. Preacher, no seams, totally a one piece of work. That is extra vape. And here's proof. They'll gamble over his normal. But that, they'll cast lots for it. It will not be ripped. It will not be torn. And here's the point. I've got to, here's the point. The high priest of Israel wears a seamless robe. And our Lord wore a seamless robe. If I didn't know better, I'd think he is the high priest of Israel. The great high priest of Israel. Our high priest, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you hadn't got to go up to the cathedral or over to the monastery? Aren't you glad we can come boldly to the throne of grace tonight? Verse 19. Preacher, you had stepped out, I think, when I read it earlier. It's a prayer. He's praying again. He prayed, he prayed, God said no. He prayed, God said wait. He prayed, God stepped away. He prayed, God is forsaken. But he's at it again. Oh, be not thou far from me, O Lord. Oh, my strength. I don't have any strength left. Oh, my strength, haste thee to help me. Haste thee to help me. Do y'all hear the plea? Do you hear the agony? Uh, Deliver, verse 20, deliver, rescue my soul from the sword. And uh, of course, there is a a javelin, there is a spear that'll be put into his side, a sword, uh, but, but, but uh, he's not yet dead. Uh, protect me. God intervened. Lord, I've had about all I can take, but here's the issue. He's just about got it done. He's just about completed the task. Preacher, I've, I've, I've sort of taken to calling it his blood work. His blood work. You go to the doctor, they'll do blood work. That's not what I have in mind. On that cross, he is doing some blood work. He is shedding his blood. For... Somewhere in that ordeal, when God the Father poured his weight of sin, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He wrestled, agonized, made substitution, suffered for us. But there came a time, I'm going to need an amen, when it was all over. He's still nailed to the cross, but all the suffering is done. Oh, the pavement is made. I thank the Lord. This is the way I think he put it. We'll see it Wednesday night maybe. It is finished. It is finished. 
There's a crowd of these health and wealth boys said that after Jesus died on the cross, then he had to go to hell, and then he had to burn in the... I don't believe that a minute. I'll never accept that. It is finished means it. He got it done on Calvary. Hallelujah. Lord, would you deliver my son? You say, well, he can pray all he wants to. God didn't deliver him. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. How did he deliver him? He got him up out of the grave, didn't he? Thank God the tomb's empty. Hallelujah. God did answer that prayer. Look, would you deliver my darling from the power of the dog? I can, I can see them stinking dogs lunging. Would you deliver your darling from the power of the dog? Darling. He just called himself darling. Deliver, darling, from the power of the dog. I looked up the word darling. I had to. It just intrigued me. This is what it means. I hope I get an amen. One and only. Here's a synonym, not another one like it. I'd say he's the darling of heaven. What do y'all think? I believe he's the darling around Crossroads Church. And he ought to be. He's worthy to be. Hallelujah. Mm. Pretty easy preaching here. Don't let this get out. I believe I could go another hour tonight. Liberty. Liberty, why? Because you've been praising God. You started out with the first song praising Him. You got in on it and magnified Him. He inhabits the praises of His people we saw yesterday. Deliver my darling from the power of the dog. Save me. Oh, preacher. That word save, Yasha. Y-A-S-H-A, Yasha. Yasha means to save. But it is also a name in the Old Testament. Yasha, the root of Joshua. Yasha, Joshua. Joshua in the Old Testament is the equivalent of a name in the New Testament. You know him, Jesus. What does it mean? One who saves. One who delivers. One who rescues. Lord of when he used that word, when he used the salvation word, when he used the blood word and what the blood can do at that moment, save me, save me from the lion's mouth. Oh my God, 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 I need an amen. Heard, he heard for the first time in 20 verses, God heard his prayer. Hallelujah. Send that. Thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. Julius Caesar, leader of Rome, emperor of Rome, but, but more than that, he was, a, he was an astute student. He wrote encyclopedias, many about nature. He said that unicorn was the size of a buffalo. Give you something to go on. Wild buffalo. It did have one horn, unicorn, and it didn't have that horn to make music neither. Had that horn to harm, to charge, to kill. 
And here on the cross, these stinking animals have gotten closer and closer surrounding the darling Lamb of God. Can I use this? I did it earlier. And right in the nick of time, that unicorn's charging, ready to lift that horn and, and try to thwart and upset the plan of God. Just in the nick of time, God the Father says, I need an enemy. I've heard you. I've heard you. Tomorrow night, we're going to see how Jesus acts, responds once the load is lifted. He's still on the cross. No doubt there's still some pain. But when the load lifted, the sin debt has been paid. I don't know how to, the Lord's going to cut loose having himself a time. And I, tomorrow night, I don't plan on being ashamed of him neither. I might join in a little bit with him. Y'all have read it. Oh, does the mood change? Depression, discouragement, doubt, rejection, forsaking, sin being paid. The first 20 verses. Thou hast heard me. And even on the cross, Jesus looked. Does anybody believe this could be true? When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. We're going to see it. We're going to see it tomorrow night. The Lord will. Hey, I've got some good news. The Father heard the Son. We have heard. On Calvary. And all God's people said, My, 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 could we stand together with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. The devil's zoo, that's what John Phillips called it. They certainly meant to frustrate God's plan. God gave our Savior the victory. I like the way the preacher gave the invitation yesterday morning. I don't know there's anybody here lost, but I do know this. If you are here lost, if you came in that door lost, you don't have to go out that door lost. He'll save you. If you'll put your faith and your trust in Him. Other than that, this is all I'm going to say. Having heard these things about the Savior, if you want to come love Him a minute, if you want to come worship Him, if you want to come and figuratively blow Him a kiss, tell Him what He means to you for what He did on Calvary, help yourself. Help yourself. It's a delight to be in a worshiping church.